Our story opens with the secret army man getting in his ridiculously expensive red convertible to visit his cousin and see how normal people live. Man, I knew G.I. Joe was elite, but this is straight up elitist. Less than a minute into the episode, I can already tell that everyone here has been hypnotized or something. Man, fiction writers really hate the suburbs. Tomorrow will be another pleasant day in Pleasant Cove, followed by a pleasant night. Back to you, Chuck. Screw you, pleasantness. Flint gets a cold, robotic greeting from his family, but more importantly, he's addressed by everyone as Flint, which I thought was a code name. And since you people always yell at me in the comments for taking the show at face value and not doing a bunch of supplementary reading to know everyone's name and backstory and whole deal, I actually took 10 seconds to Google this one, and I was right. I actually kind of knew this one because old Dashiell is supposed to be Marissa Fairborn's dad. Anyway, what's the point of a code name if your civilian family is just going to call you that anyway? Flint calls Lady J to report that his family is acting suspicious, but never mind that. Look at this phone. I hope you're not trying to mnemonically spell anything with the second half of the alphabet. Then Flint has some kind of night vision nightmare involving Cobra, which I don't think has anything to do with this week's sinister plot. That's probably just plain old PTSD slowly destroying his psyche and making it impossible for him to integrate back into normal society. Nothing to worry about here. Waking up to an empty house in the middle of the night, he realizes that the entire neighborhood are marching zombie-like into the street. And, I mean, it was pretty obvious this was going to be a Cobra plot, but seriously, guys? Fucking with a Joe's family? You tried that a few episodes ago, and it did not end well for you. The G.I. Joe team is not that big. Surely you can find civilians to test your goofy mind control crap on who aren't related to the team whose sole purpose is taking you down. Also, Flint, if you want to sneak around this place unnoticed, maybe you should consider removing the one item of clothing that immediately identifies you as Flint. I mean, to this day, if I see someone walking around wearing a black beret, my first thought is, hey, is that Dashiell Fairborn? Since we're basically playing by horror movie in a small town rules, he then goes to the sheriff, who, in keeping with the proud tradition of small town sheriffs in horror movies, does not believe a word he says about Cobra having infiltrated his town. And then immediately sicks the dreadnoughts on him, since he's not terribly clear on how this whole disbelieving small town sheriff thing is supposed to go. To his credit, we only have about 22 minutes for this all to play out. A horror movie could stretch his sudden but inevitable betrayal out to three or four times as long. Flint escapes in his little red Corvette. The dread cops pursue and almost immediately crash into their requisite hilarious fruit carts. Then Flint fights some helicopters and plummets off a cliff over the sea in time for the commercial break. And, of course, he grabs a convenient tree branch on the way down, because of course he does. But Zartan and the Dreadnoughts capture him anyway and drag him to Cobra Commander. The commander gives a pretty funny spiel about his dedicated workers who love their jobs so much they don't get paid. This is where I'd usually play that clip, but it's seriously like a solid 60 seconds of pure comedic gold. And I won't be upstaged by a cartoon character, damn it. Also, if you want to see the whole episode, go buy the DVD. This is a review. It says that right in the name. Anyway, Flint is then brainwashed by a news anchor who sounds just like him. Welcome to the Pleasant Cove 7 o'clock news. Pleasant Cove fireman Dan Jenkins risked life and limb today to bravely rescue Mrs. Murphy's cat Fluffy. Then Cobra Commander does his usual Nations of the World thing on TV and reveals that we're actually in an underwater city? Maybe they're subletting from the Decepticons. And... Huh. This week's plot is to destroy all the vegetation on Earth unless he's proclaimed supreme leader, which is pretty classic supervillainy, I must say. The Joe spots Slave Flint walking behind Cobra Commander, which is just sloppy if you ask me. It was only like a 30 second spot. You couldn't just hide him in a shed or something till you finished? Now you just know the Joes are going to come after you in your undersea headquarters. I mean, they should be doing that anyway since it's their job and everything, but now there are personal stakes. 
Lady J kind of likes that guy. Not enough to go on vacation with him, but at least enough to walk him to his car as he leaves for said vacation. Lady J and Breaker visit the town where Flint's family lives, and Lady J practices her ventriloquism. Breaker, will you stop popping your gum? They'll hear you. So the rest of the Joes show up and save the day with sticks and a parrot. Then Lady J uses the power of her love to override the mind control on Flint. Except she doesn't, it was actually just Breaker reversing the polarities or whatever. Because these two are definitely not in love. Nope. Cobra wrecks the city and escapes, and the Joes manage to evacuate the civilians just in time. Then Flint has a good laugh about returning to work for some peace and quiet. Ha ha ha, because he's definitely not seriously traumatized by the endless violence and the recent hypnosis of himself and his family. Nope, everything's perfectly fine here. 